You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lynn Markell. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. You guys, I did it again. You did what again? You do a lot of things. What'd you do this I time? I don't actually do a lot of Is things, this Travis. Is this a Britney Spears song? Yes. This, welcome to our Britney Spears cover cast. Ooh. Nice. Um, I like it. That'll get downvoted into oblivion. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I'm bad at singing. Same. I'm straight up. I'm also bad at singing. Uh, no, I did that thing. I'm sure both of you are familiar. Taylor, you have explicitly said that you've also done this before. Um, I'm, ex- I'm I'm anticipating a call out at this point. No, 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 no. This just this is how life works sometimes. Um, okay. I went into this week planning on doing one thing, mm-hmm. and then I got distracted, <laughs> and something something interesting D and D related popped up in my life, and I was like, oh. I'm just going to do this instead. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so yeah. you started to research one thing and then... And then pivoted. Just like completely to a separate other thing? Or were they at least kind of related? Not at all. Because so this when was... when did you originally start researching? I don't want to say because I don't want to disappoint anyone who would rather be listening to that episode than this. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I'll give you a hint. It's one of like the five things in the past that I've said like... I'm going to do a continuation on this thing or like an episode about this related thing. It was one of those. Okay. Well, this was inspired by a conversation I had with my girlfriend because she is playing in a campaign that none of us are a part of. And she is playing in a 3.5 release Oriental Adventures campaign. Oh. Which has had two releases which obviously we're going to start talking about the older one first. Right. Because it was originally released in 1985. Obviously, they're not playing the... I say obviously. They're not playing the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons one. (laughs) Because... Uh, That's a little complicated. It's old. And it's old. And there are, I would say, probably very few people who still play um, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Probably. Yeah, I think that's probably... A fair assessment. A fair assessment. There's just... Not a lot with the newer editions yeah. and this more yeah. simplified everything. Yeah. yeah. And also, <clears throat> e- even when you find people who, who enjoy like older editions or less streamlined editions, I've noticed more and more it's like third edition or 3.5 typically. Yeah. Mm-hmm, usually that's where sure. it starts. There's hardly anyone, I think, that has like second edition older. And plays it. Yeah. Um, so, Oriental Adventures. Adventure. I do remember talking about that supplement at one point. I can't remember the context, but I remember, like, it sounds familiar enough that I know that it's a, a supplement. Yeah, so specifically what it is, is it's not a specific adventure module. There are adventure modules included, but it's basically like... A well, I say completely different rule set. It's not like a completely different rule set, but it's not just like a campaign setting that's like this is the setting. The these are the characters. Um, it's basically been kind of restructured. Okay. Um. So it's kind of just like an add-on. It's if like that me- if that's accurate. I'm not certain. Is it a DLC? It's like a WoW expansion, maybe. Hmm. Okay. I I I don't play WoW. I mean. No, that that would make a little bit of sense, I guess. Yeah, I feel like the the essence of it will become more clear as we progress, as I start talking. And more I'm sure about someone it. who knows about this already will correct us later if they so feel the need to. <laughs> yeah, or if there's some, or who if there's like a wow. bad, like a more nuanced way of describing anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because describing things is hard. Indeed. Um. So it was re- originally released in 1985 as a supplement for uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and basically was an alternative to the obviously usually medieval European-inspired 
flavored settings common to Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, so it's kind of like a an early alternative. Yeah, which there's a lot of like discussions that people like me should not be heading about the virtues of like really, you know, going in on a theme and maybe making mistakes with how you phrase certain things, misunderstanding the significance of certain other things. There's whole discussions about right. that. Yeah. Like um, there that that's just gonna happen when you like mm-hmm. take a I would say fairly shallow dive into any culture. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it's expected. Exactly. I guess. And you know, those those conversations are not, you know, one that like I should be heading. So and you I'm, know, sh- I'm sure there are. are plenty out there on on the internet already that already exist that are from people who are better suited to discussing those things. Exactly. So what we're going to be specifically talking about today is not a specific like campaign setting that you would play with the supplement like Rokugan or whatever. Um, we're going to be talking about the races and the classes that are specific. Okay. Um, that because that, that does sound a little exciting because I'm assuming they've added some pretty interesting... Yeah, and they've also eliminated a oh. lot of your typical classes and also races <clears throat> that are common to most other Dungeons & Dragons settings. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on. Before oh, we I, go any further... I think I know what you're about to ask. Do they exist? No. I'm no, leaving. they don't. Nope. I'm leaving. Okay. I'm out. No, no, you have to stay. No. Okay, well, you know, what is offered is an addendum where it says in there, like, these these races aren't common in this type of setting, but here's some ideas if your dungeon master wants to include them, how they might relate to other races. Oh, all right, fine, fine. You'll, you'll accept that? I'll accept that. So, and like... As long as I can still have gnomes in my life, it's fine. You can always have gnomes in your life. There's always room for gnomes. Because they're so small. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Anyway. Um, so, gnomes have been removed as a, like, major... Player character player race. Player character yeah. race. So, basically, what you have is you have humans. Um, and there's also, like, pretty interesting divisions in the humans... Uh, in OA as far as, like, more or less different, like, families and ethnic groups goes. Okay. But, like, they're humans, you know. Right. So there's no there's no elves, no dwarves, no gnomes, uh, none of that kind of stuff. That's um, hmm. a little strange. I'm... Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it seems like they kind of just went with the, like, it's a fantasy game, but it's removing, like, the fantasy races from it. Well, it's removing the Western fantasy yeah. races. We get some new ones. Oh. We've got some new ones. Um, okay. The three that were introduced in 1985 were the Henge Yokai, the Korobukuru, mm-hmm. which is very hard to say with your your tongue and mouth, and Spirit Folk. Okay. Um, I feel like we can talk about... The races first, and maybe because I don't know. Do do you do you typically think about what race of character you want to play first, or do you think of what class? For me, it, so when I plan in that kind of order, because some a lot of the times I will plan for that for characters. I'll pick the race and then I'll pick the class, unless it's like a backup character, and I'm specifically thinking of like what kind of class I would be interested in playing next. Mm-hmm. I usually kind of just stumble upon a character idea with an already in mind race and class. Mm -hmm. But when I specifically do an order like that for like a new campaigner or something, I I think I would pick race and class. See, whenever I'm creating NPCs and everything, I usually go, okay, what race is going to fit in more in this? Like this town, this this area. This situation. Mm -hmm. And then once I figure that out, then I'll be like, okay, what class would be more fitting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I usually go race than class. Okay. We're going to talk we'll talk about the the races first then because I feel like it depends kind of on the person. Yeah. And also I, I, I would agree. Like some some source books <laughs> literally list one before the other sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know. So first, we're going to talk about the Koro Bukuru. Okay. Koro Bukuru. Yes. Okay. So is that a K-O-R? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Koro. I don't know why that... (laughs) I had to look at that again when it was three letters. So they are described in the 
And they have some changes in 3.5, but the the vibe is the same. Okay. It's just some things altered to better fit the way stats work. Right. Um, So they're described as basically being the equivalent of dwarves in this setting. Um, Though they kind of, I feel like they kind of lose that after you get past the fact that they're four feet tall and really hairy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's about all the resemblance of dwarfism is... In, in, in my opinion, is okay. that they're short and hairy. They're just short and hairy. Yeah, so they Fair are enough. short and hairy, standing about four feet tall, and they have disproportionately long arms and legs. Oh. Okay, so kind of like gr- gorilla-like? Yeah, they've got that kind of like monkey kind of proportions almost. Would it be chimpanzee? Or orangutan more with the long arms? I kind of think all of them kind of have, like, elongated yeah. They've definitely arms. got the long arms. Okay. Um, and they uh, live in tribe-like organizations in the jungle, which is very, like, not dwarfy, <laughs> just saying. Mm, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like these these were offered in a way that it's like, if you like playing a dwarf, you, like, you might like playing as these guys. Yeah, um, fair and enough. And they are considered... Simple and boorish by humans. Um, that actually is in line with a, a, a way that a lot of humans interpret dwarves. Let's be yeah. real. Yeah, basically. And any race that isn't like that they don't think is snobby, either they're snobby or they're like boorish. They're just boorish. There's no in between. <laughs> I mean, have you played a fantasy game? There is never an in between. Yeah, mm. I have played several and you are correct. Min maxing only. Um, so they get bonuses to their strength and constitution and uh, negatives to their intelligence. So like, yeah, ex- you know, it's probably it is probably unfair to for like all humans to be like, oh, these guys are all idiots. But they they do have a negative but to their intelligence. Yeah. Um, so okay, yeah. And that's it, one of those things where it's like, how much of it is a cultural thing, and how much of it is a special thing? Exactly. They're like late, like mid to late uh, versions of in between. Yeah, of like, like a Neanderthal. Kind Neanderthal, like with in the long arms. The, yeah, they kind of they kind of look like that. Uh, like oh, what's the the missing link? Lucy. Yeah. 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 Lucy. I'd, yeah, Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. So they're kind of like this weird in-between Lucy race. Yes. So they're you're kind of, you know, they they favor physical classes. And this is also back in the day when, like, based on your, your race, you were restricted from certain classes. Right. So I believe they are restricted from all of the magical classes. Mm. Which because, makes sense for dwarves. And for these creatures as well, concerned that they do lack intelligence. Yeah. Well... Um, it at least makes sense for, like, a wizard. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's them. Also introduced in... Well, these are all going to be introduced in 1985 until I tell you otherwise. Um, we have the Henge Yokai, which are my favorite of these races that have been introduced. I do like the word already. I know, yeah. It's a really good word. Um, so, the Henge Yokai are intelligent animals who can change their shape. Ooh. Oh, they've so already got me. We got like shapeshifters mm-hmm. going on here. Um, it's specifically stated that they are not lycanthropes because they don't, nothing on the outside influences their, their change. They, like, they do it not, themselves. Exactly. It's not the moon or whatever. But they, similar to lycanthropes, I think, um, they have three forms. Okay. They have their human form. They have their pure animal form, wherein they're just that animal. Yeah. And then they also have a hybrid. Yeah, I think that is uh, lycanthropes. Lycanthropes are like that, yeah. Yeah. Are they? I believe so. I and, think so. I mean, to be fair, I haven't looked too much into lycanthropes. I know where. I know at least. So. I know at least werewolves are. I've seen werewolves described that way. Yeah. Okay, so they have three forms. There is an in between here. Mm-hmm. They're they're uh, persona. Um, <laughs> I hate you. Uh, damn it. <laughs> so, uh, each form has advantages and disadvantages. Like, you know, playing as... There are, I believe, 11 base forms that you can choose from. Right. And then if you or the DM want to introduce, like, another animal, you can figure that out. Like, it's, you know, stated that, like, hey, if you want to do that, you know, just look at the stats for that animal and figure it out. And talk to your DM. So, like, a a carp henga yokai... You know, is good at swimming. <laughs> I like it. I and like it. Also has the the fish man head and the and is also delicious. The human body. I was like, yes, yeah. I was trying to the picture reverse the, the reverse mermaid. The in between stage of that with the yeah. reverse mermaid. At, mm. 
And then, you know, like a, a raccoon henge yokai would be like sneaky kind of thing. And things. less delicious. Yes. <laughs> and just with... How do you know? Just gigantic balls. Oh, um, uh, right. That's that's right. That's the thing about tanuki, yeah. They have giant balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is actually something hmm. that w- could potentially be a real thing about your henge yokai is that a- even in human form they have a physical representation of their animal form on their body, such as, like, a stripe through their hair or... Giant fucking you know, balls. Or just huge balls. That's the thing about Tanuki. I'm not... We're not making this up. <laughs> I, I know. It's just... I'm just like... Tom what, Nook will never be the, the same. And see, I was trying to think of, like, oh, the carp, they could have, like, some, like, scales or something mm-hmm. on their Yeah, yeah, that kind of... But no, you guys just, like... Focusing on the huge balls. It's distracting. It's hard not to. I mean, that's they're fair. big. It, it would probably also be distracting to, like, walk with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> have to yeah. be, like, uh, South Park. Oh, God, where you're just... Oh, God. I blocked that... in a wheelbarrow and just... I blocked that episode out. I didn't. I blocked a lot of things out. <laughs> um, so, they... Their societal structures are a lot looser... And they don't because they're they're very secretive, right? Like it's a thing for for a henge yokai to when they're in human form, they don't want to be recognized as being like uh, a henge yokai. Yeah, as being a member of like that race, like they don't want someone to know they're an animal person, right? Um, so they're very they're very secretive, and they tend to like just blend into other societies. So as of uh, them in three point five. They receive a negative two to their wisdom because they're described as being kind of weak-willed. Um, in addition to like the bonuses that they receive based on their animal form, like to intelligence or dexterity or whatever. Right. I almost feel like that's backwards because I feel like if you're able to change into three different shapes, you should have a pretty strong will mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Maybe. I guess it depends on what kind of power you take that from. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then you have spirit folk who are sort of, they sort of remind me of uh, like Asamar a little bit because they are the descendants of humans and spirits. Okay. Uh, whatever okay. whatever um, amount of composition, you know, can be determined by you. There is actually a race in 5e other than the Asamar that are actual spirit like folk? spirit and human Mix. Mm-hmm. Um, that Kashatar? That uh, that's specific to El- Eberron, the Kalistar. Kalistar. Okay, so they're a mixed breed of spirits, spirits and, and humans, um, and they come in one of three types, which is a bamboo spirit, a river spirit, or a sea spirit. Um, and basically, each of their like whichever one you are affects certain abilities you have. So, like a bamboo spirit folk would have bonuses to things to do with nature right uh things like that a river spirit things to do with like fresh water swimming right um and a sea spirit things to do with the ocean yeah okay. like one one really like special thing that stuck out to me is that at certain levels i think that once a year a sea spirit folk can like go to the ocean and ask it to return something to them that they've lost oh but the uh the trade-off to this is that they serve what's called a spirit lord, which might be like if if you have a like a river spirit folk, maybe it's like the patron, like the patron lord of like the river that your character was born by. Okay. And this spirit lord can call upon spirit folk to basically do their bidding. Oh. And if mm-hmm. it is not done, they will punish them by way of like natural disasters and shit. Oh. Okay, so... Less good. Not as good. Yeah. All right. I mean, still kind of cool, but Mm -hmm. I guess in that case, you just have to be careful and answer the Spirit Lord's call. Yeah. They also have all the bonuses that come in this supplement with being human, which is to say that they have a human family that... Because in in this setting, like, family's really important. Right. Like, the... The family and the birthright that you are born into can give you a lot of advantages, 
but it can also give you basically a lot of things you have to live up to to where like if you fuck up like the dm punishes you nice damn yeah so they they have that that bonus of they can you know they have their spirit powers but they also can come from like a noble human family which gives them some societal advantages that are at play in this right and potentially some societal disadvantages disadvantages exactly shall we say like you know if you have like a rival family or something like that coming after you then, yeah yeah you can just be walking down the street like oh i'm gonna go and try to see if i can't buy a new cloak today and then, and then suddenly the the capulets see you and they're like fuck you do capulets. you bite your thumb sir yes do you bite your thumb at me yes i do i bite my thumb but not <clears> at you sir but i do bite my thumb i just actually do bit you, my thumb just so you know it do hurt. you quarrel <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our shakespeare cast yeah. oh we should do that we should do that okay Stay tuned for our Shakespeare cast. It'll just be me and Taylor. Yeah, sorry, I don't do Shakespeare. I mean, I don't mind that. Shakespeare don't mind the would guy, do you. Shakespeare would do anybody. <laughs> okay. Whoa. So back on topic, we're gonna um, move into because I mean I might as well do all the races together and then we can talk about the classes later because that's right. how I feel like doing it. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> we're gonna move on to the races that were introduced in three point five, which was released in two thousand one. Okay. Well, this was released in two thousand one. Right. Um, so 3.5, uh, added the races called the Nezumi, which okay. my girlfriend is playing, nice. and the Venara. I don't know why I decided to tell you about both of them just now when I'm going to pivot and talk about one of them. Um, so the Nezumi are a race of humanoid rats, which you might be thinking ratlings, like the little, the little guys. Yeah. No, these are full-size, just rat Are people. these like full-size, like master splinters? Yes. Oh, oh my, my god. god. There, yes. there is art. There is art in one of the books that it's like this is just basically Master Splinter. It just looks like Splinter. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing though. I want to so, be Master Splinter. I have to admit I do not blame her for I know, picking right? this yeah. race because mm -hmm. Radfolk. I also mean. just as a yeah. just as a character no, this isn't related to anything. She's essentially playing not the brave. <laughs> That's amazing. Which is great. Not the brave except a rat version. Yeah. I love it. And rat the brave. Rat the brave, with two T's, like not rat. Rat. <laughs> so they are human-sized rat people. Um, they are native to a region called the Shadowlands, which is basically as shitty as it sounds. It is a wasteland. Um, there are various legends about the particular origin of it, but more or less, it's this shitty wasteland area, and it carries what's called. I like refer to as an evil taint. Their words, not mine. Um, and it affects taint. taint. <laughs> and it affects everyone who enters the Shadowlands, with the exception of the Nazumi. Okay. This place kind of reminds me of the Outworld from Mortal Kombat. I I have. It's been a long time since I, I mean, played a Mortal Kombat. The Outworld game. is basically just shithole. A shithole. Yeah, it's. Yeah. A lawless shithole that can corrupt a lot of people. Yeah, so basically people who spend a lot of time in the Shadowlands, with the exception of the Nazumi, become corrupted, essentially. This, it's like a it's like a cursed zone in Okami. I was gonna say this reminds me of the Shadowlands in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Which I still haven't played, don't look at me. It's okay, me neither. <sighs> You're both failures. Yeah. That's what my never mind. <laughs> Okay. We were about to get too real there, sorry. Okay, so the Nazumi mm -hmm. are not affected by whatever this... They're not affected by taint. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to phrase it in a different way. I wasn't. Lewin's all for the joke. Okay, so the rats are not affected by the taint. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you both. Yeah, they're not. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Jesus. Oh, um, however, despite living in this literally evil really shitty place they themselves are not evil okay like they live there but they consider themselves enemies of the evil forces in the shadowlands so it's kind of like they're like it's a shithole but it's our shithole and we want to make it better right and since they're not corrupted by it or anything <laughs> yeah it's not a big deal yeah they um, just have to deal with the shithole itself but eh. yeah so they are not they're not evil <clears throat> Um, but Which they tend good. toward chaotic alignments mm -hmm. because 
They are A, like nomadic. And B, um, living in a shithole. B, living in a shithole. And C, rat people. And D, when they leave that shithole um, and go to like other nations in the setting, like other people don't, they don't like the Nizumi because they, they're from the Shadowlands. So they think that they are carrying this evil influence with them. Like when a they're plague. Not. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Gotcha. So what they so kind of like what ends up happening is that you don't have like you have Nazumi who are not inherently evil, but they become evil or you know enter the more morally ambiguous territory because other people treat them really shitty. So oh, it's man. like you know it's hard out there. You can't get a job, so you start stealing. You know because they're. Because they they dicks. think that yeah because they think that yeah that you know this person is is tainted yeah they're God. they're bringing this awful corrupted energy with them even though they're even not. though they're not <laughs> yeah um, so they are in addition to being immune to the very specific uh, evil energies we'll say. Of the Shadowlands. They are also very hardy. Um, I believe they receive bonuses to, like, saves against poison. If they're nice. not completely immune, which I forget. Um, so they have a buff to their constitution and a negative to their charisma because of the whole societal mistrust thing. Right. Um, and then you have the Venara, who are, I think, probably forgotten a little bit because they are not... Uh, included in the usual campaign setting that plays with uh, this supplement. But they are smaller sized, like probably about four feet tall, monkey-like humanoids. Yay! So they got the, the monkey face and the, the cool feet. Uh, cool feet. <laughs> Do they have tails? Cool yes. feet. Okay. They have tails. It's really cool. cool. So yeah, they're just monkey people. Yeah, they literally, <clears throat> interesting pull, but they literally do just look like monkey from Kung Fu Panda. I like hmm. it. Um, so they, they gather in loose clans in forests and jungles, and they are my favorite kind of people because they value curiosity and bravery over social mores. So like, if a Venara thinks you're an asshole, they're going to tell you that they think you're an asshole because they don't care about what's acceptable or whatever. I like it. You know. Huh. Um, does it, did it say anything if this race gets along with the other dwarfish race? I can't remember their name now. Um, you know, I don't know. That's an interesting... Because, like, they, they all, I guess, live in jungles, so I'm just kind of curious if they're... Like, friends. Friends, or... If they're enemies. at all. You know, that's not something I noted. I'll go look real quick. Huh. That is curious. 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 Very curious. curious it says they get along well with other good aligned races as long as the other race will tolerate them. Because they're kind of like that friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, they're a great person, but also maybe they should learn to shut up. Sometimes. Yeah. So they probably can get along with them. It yeah. just depends and on the, like, the The person. individual yeah. people involved, yeah. Right. Um, and they have uh, bonuses to their intelligence and wisdom, and uh, hits to their strengths. See, so, I was thinking that they would have bonuses to like dexterity with the monkey-ish. Ooh, the, yeah, that's the a good monkey point. stuff. Yeah, the monkey-esque like tail and yeah. feet and everything. But mm-hmm. okay, so so they they favor the more like magical classes, right. That are in this module, which we're going to talk about after we take a break. Oh man, I mean, we're also going to talk about the other less magical classes. Just all the classes. Just all. I am of, all of the special about classes. Yeah, I'm very curious about the classes that are yeah. a part of this. And also the classes that aren't. Oh. oh. Yeah. Because just like with the races, there was a lot that has been uh, either removed. removed or right out banned. Oh. There's literally a heading in 3.5, in the 3.5 one that says banned classes. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> like this is speed boost Blaziken. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, let's, let's go this. and yep. hurry so that we can get back to that. Let's come back. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode. Um, it's a little bit different, I feel like, than something I've ever done. I, yeah. I think it's very different on the spectrum of what we've done so far. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, uh, I'm glad it's kind of it's kind of working out because I was 
I was writing these notes and I was like, I really hope that this isn't too much and too many different things being <laughs> just kind of rapid fired off. But I'm glad I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. It's been pretty good. If you don't mind, real quick, we're going to take a quick break to say please follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Tumblr, at Dungeonpedia, all of them. You can also email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, there you can send us messages, questions, suggestions, et cetera, et cetera. You can do that on pretty much all of those platforms. Yeah, we'll look at any messages you uh, give us. While you're doing that, though, you should uh, subscribe to us wherever you listen to us to get notifications of any of our newer episodes. Right. Uh, the, that should update as soon as they go live. If I mean, it, either way, it'll probably be much sooner than when we can get to Twitter. Right, because usually we don't post till later in the evening or afternoon. So we can get that evening Twitter crowd. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Them optimum um, times. <laughs> while you're subscribing, you should go ahead and hit that uh, rate button if it's got one. Give us a lovely rating. Help us uh, get up there on the list of wherever you're listening to us. Mm-hmm. Give us a review. All that lovely nonsense. Spread the word. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We've been having a lot of people doing that lately, and I think that's grown us quite a bit as well. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. That's, that's I can tell, like... Yeah. Th- thank you And it's so, so much. it's so heartwarming. It like, really is. A little behind the scenes. When we're looking at our episodes after we post them, compared to, we'll just say, like, our very first episode, which I know is a weird comparison, but after, you know, two days, we had, like... 20 plays on that episode and we were excited mm-hmm. now we're getting like 30 40, 40 plays within the first day or two and that's horribly exciting mm-hmm. to us horribly <laughs> i mean and, and some of them even come in like they've just come in before we even post on social media yeah, yeah like we'll double check after like an hour or so to see hey did it actually post okay and people and, are like listening and suddenly we have like three to it's even been eight bumped. views and we're like whoa yeah it is great but so, whatever you're doing spread the word still keep doing it (laughs) keep doing it you guys are great we we appreciate you so thank you to you guys and also thank you to alexander nakarada for our theme song blacksmith yeah yeah i think that's what i jam to in my spare time same jam to a lot of things in my spare time blacksmith included yeah that being said though this has been a very interesting episode so far. So let's get back to the Oriental Adventures. Yes. Different, but I like it. Okay. All so right. Classes. Classes. Before we get into classes specifically. Boop. I'm sorry. This always happens. It's always like a bait and switch. Like there's sort of a, not stat, but like societal mechanic okay. that we need to talk about first that uh, is used in OA, which is honor. Honor. Okay. Um, I like honor. It's kind of kind of comp. It's not- I must capture the avatar to regain mine, though. Yeah, you need to get on that because bad things happen to you when you don't have your honor in yes. this. Oh no. Oh. Yeah. So basically, it is like a points-based kind of thing, um, and there are a lot of different things that determine it, like determine where you start off and how you gain and lose honor, which is some things that we briefly talked about, like your character's family. Okay. So, like, you can start off with higher honor based on who your family is. Okay. Um, sounds, sounds good. Like... Mm-hmm. And also, like, for doing specific deeds, like, you know, slaying monsters or, you know, yada yada. And there are also lots of opportunities to gain or lose honor that are specific to certain races or classes, mostly classes. But... Like, for example, a Hengayokai who is discovered as being a Hengayokai loses honor. Okay. Um, so, like, bearing this in mind has an effect on the classes because there are some classes that, you know, in exchange for having certain abilities, also have the, like, debilitating effect of being, like, more affected by losing honor. <laughs> So, like, I can see, like, I don't know if paladins exist in this, but I could see a paladin having, like... Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, it is it affects your character in some ways that are more neutral to their race or class. Like, if your character's honor is very low, they're treated less favorably in encounters. Right. And also, if you... If your honor drops to zero, you get kicked out of the campaign. Oh, and what? And the uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons actually says that you should crumple up your character sheet. 
That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your, your cow. cow. <laughs> oh my god. Crumple yeah. up that character sheet. You're out of the campaign. <gasps> that's when oh, you're. No. That's when your DM actually takes you out back and shoots you like old yeller. <laughs> See, or like you just be the DM, just be like, uh, hand me your character sheet real quick. <laughs> Grabs it and just stares in the face, just crumples it. Or like that that one time that my girlfriend asked me. Oh my god! What, like if, if your character dies. If you just can't come to sessions anymore. And I was like, no, you just make a new character. And she's like, oh, I thought if you died, that meant you were bad at D&D so you couldn't play anymore. <laughs> no, even people that are good at D&D still die sometimes. It, it just happens. But it was just so funny because it was like, do you think that Travis just takes this out back? Do you think that we had like we six had friends and then they had to leave because their characters died? Okay, oh, your man. character's dead. Bye. Oh. Chew. <clears throat> Go on. Get out of my house. Anyway, but that's like, I feel like maybe someone would get really extreme with the honor system and be like, you can't hang out with us anymore because your like character's it. honor did below zero. Maybe uh, like if like you make it. like three characters that all have like really shitty honor, then no, it's just like... like, you can't, you Go can't play with this way. anymore. You're not, you're not suited to play in this kind of thing um also like this isn't related to anything i just think it's really funny because it's kind of an additional thing that's considered um in this supplement um is essentially like a seventh ability score yeah it's called comeliness (laughs) yep yep yep. which is comeliness which is influenced by your charisma Mm -hmm. but is also rolled for so you do literally roll for how hot your character is (laughs) <laughs> which is hilarious. Mm. And it has actual like co- like consequences. <laughs> like if you just if you if it's really bad, then it's like you're a really ugly character. Well, no, like b- people, like NPCs that interact with you are actively repulsed by your character. <gasps> what the I'm hell? so happy that this is a thing that I have just learned about. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Travis, <that's>... include in, <laughs> please include comeliness in our new campaign. No. Okay. okay. No. But like I'm people not, like that's no. always the joke, but like in this you do literally roll for how hot your character is. And that's fucking hilarious. That that is actually kind of hilarious. Oh my god. I do like it. That's um, that's an interesting concept, also, concept. For uh, for clarification, I don't know how I phrased it a second ago. If I did say introduces, I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure if OA introduced this or if it just included this concept because I didn't look into it. I just thought it was funny. Um, okay, so classes. We talked about honor and how some classes are very beholden to it. So now we can talk about the classes. Yay. Okay. Um, so the only two classes that are in like standard D&D, standard D&D, I guess, are the monk and the barbarian. Okay. Um, some yeah, things. I can see that. Some things about them have been changed. Right. Um, but we're not really going to talk about it because, um, you know. We have other stuff to talk about. It's a monk. It's a barbarian. Um, So the first of the new classes are uh, Bushi. They're sort of like fighters. You know, they have an emphasis on strength, physical combat, um, yada, yada. But there is also an emphasis on coming from a poorer background. Okay. Um, So they often are in the niche of finding work. Protecting smaller communities who can't afford samurai. Spoiler alert, samurai are here. So mercenary type. Mercenaries, highwaymen, yada yada. Um, okay. You know, they're they're fighters. Yeah. Um, they are not magically inclined, but they can use rudimentary key abilities. A lot of the classes use key. Okay. Um, to raise their stats at the beginning of encounters. Um, okay. And as is I feel like something that's emphasized a lot more in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is that as your characters progress in levels, they gain followers and holdings and shit. Yeah. Um, so at certain higher levels, like, you know, a, a Bushi would gain, like, other Bushi who want to hang out with them. Right, so nice. you'd have, like, your own little... Yeah, you'd have, like, your own little mercenary band. Yeah, you'd yeah. have, like, a mercenary group. That... Or, like, you would have a reputation in a town. 
Right. Or kind you of could probably thing. like set up your own like guild or something. Exactly. For yeah. Mercenaries or that's pretty cool. Just guards for hire in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also worth noting is that unless I say otherwise, mm-hmm. these are all included as main classes in the 3.5 release of this too. Okay. Um. So next we have Kensai. Kensai. They are basically like monks who use weapons. Um. They are specialized weapon masters. Okay. Um, they obviously specialize in one type of weapon. It's usually a bladed weapon. Well, okay. It's <laughs> it's usually a sword, but they can also use like halberds and shit. That's pretty cool. Um, they use key abilities to maximize their damage when using their preferred weapon. Um, but their their sort of usage comes with a lot of I would say like Stipulations. Well, stipulations and also role play restrictions, I would say. Because you know how, like, you have to, like, commune with your familiar if you want to change spells? Right. If you're a witch in Pathfinder? Yeah. I think wizards also have to do something. Like, you have to... You have to uh, meditate. Like, meditate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, reorganize your spell book or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Um, so as a, as a Kensai, you have to train for two hours every day oh. with your preferred weapon. To, like, maintain your... To maintain, basically to level up. So if you skipped it, you would have to make up for it before you could reap the bonuses of leveling up. Oh, okay. And also, whenever you level up, I believe it increases the higher level you get, there is a chance that you'll have to fight somebody... To reap the bonuses of leveling up. Oh my gosh. And if you refuse or you lose in this duel, you don't get to level up. Oh shit. Um, Can and you also, rematch? I mean, not right then. <laughs> On the next level up, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Oh shit. Damn. Um, and also, there's similar restrictions, like how monks can't use armor. You know, you can't use armor and you can't use magical weapons because a magical weapon's cheating, basically. Hmm. Because you're you're being aided by something other than your your own abilities. Strength. Yeah. Since that was kind of like I feel like specialized and also would have been hard to do. Yeah. As of three point five, uh, the weapon master or Kensei, I don't know why they changed the spelling, um, is a prestige class. Okay. So basically, you're really, really you you do something and you're really, really good at it. But that's all you do. <laughs> You hit things with your sword, and you're really, really good at it. So you hit things with axe. Yes. That is a thing that I said in my last campaign, <laughs> because my character could do one thing. Hit things with axe. But she did it really good. She was really good at it, yeah. She was. She was super good. Um, and she also didn't have to train with her axe for two hours She did day. not, which was helpful. Um, so next, we have ninjas. Yeah. yeah, ninjas. Ninjas do not exist. Oh. Or that's what they want you to believe. Ooh. Um so ninjas are one of those are like a class that has a lot of restrictions. Right. Cuz everyone of, wants to play a ninja. A lot of weird things, but they're very powerful. So it's like a trade-off. Right. Um so a character cannot only be a ninja. You can't be the party ninja. First, you must qualify to be a Bushi. Two two other classes we haven't talked about, which are the Sohei and the Wujin. We'll talk about them later. Or a Yakuza. We also haven't talked about them, but you know what the Yakuza is. Yeah. And basically, then you multi-class into Ninja. Okay. So, like I said, you can't... Your character can't roll up and be like, I'm the party Ninja. Because the whole point is that they're secretive and that they operate in the shadows. So um, you would have to, like, learn how to be a ninja. Exactly. So they can use a wide variety of abilities specific to the ninja class on top of the abilities of their other class. Okay. Um, and they can even use a few key abilities, including the higher level ability of walking through walls. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So. The, yeah. This, yeah. This also, though, comes with things that I would say would definitely be, like, role play restrictions when you're playing a ninja. Because they, like, despite being kind of like a secretive organization, they're very bound by honor. Right. Because, like, you know, if you if you get discovered as a ninja, you lose, like, a fuck ton of honor. Right. Um, or if you, like, refuse an order that comes from, like, your family, 
your like, you know, clan, you know, operative group, then you also lose honor, yada, yada. And then you, you can end up in a situation where like your character is a ninja, but they they have to keep it a secret from the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. And then they're like ninja capo or whatever contacts them and is like, hey, you need to go kill this person. You have to go kill that person. Your, your character has to leave the party and go kill that person while you film your TV show. Um, <laughs> so, like, there's a lot that can be, like, shaken up from a roleplay perspective. And it even says that, like, it's recommended that DMs with a player who wants to play a ninja should avoid making NPCs put hits on party members. Because I'm guessing people have ended up in situations oh. where, like, somebody was like, hey, you need to kill one of these people, but it's your traveling companion, which is, like, so juicy. I like, mean... As a roleplay aspect, I would fucking love that. I know. It's crazy, right? I mean, I won't lie. As soon as you mentioned people putting heads out, I was like, ooh, what would happen if you put yeah. a head out on, like, your best friend that you're traveling with? You would yeah. Ha- I think as a DM, if you were going to do that, you would have to find a way to implement a. You would have to find some way to implement a possibility for them to accomplish their t- to like avoid killing someone like a party member and still retain honor. Fake your own death because of how important honor is in the game. Yeah, I mean, or or you they just, just kill that person. You just have a fight to the death and then it's a whole it's a whole thing. But what if it's one of your other players? That would feel kind of like being boxed into that that feels like boxing in your players to one of you dies. I mean, yes. I feel I'm not like, I feel it's like the they're, greatest aspect, but I feel like it could it could make for some really interesting dramatic scenarios. You were doing it as a part of like a backstory for that Ooh. person. That could be fun. And then they would come back as something else later, and ta-da, you have a backstory that has now commingled with everything. Ooh. Fair enough. You know what? I, I'll admit that. that answer. I just feel like that's a thing that requires a lot of forethought. It's not oh, just something definitely. that you can just throw in and mm-hmm. be like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Fight oh, to yeah. the death. It definitely <laughs> wouldn't be something that like you'd be in the middle of play, and I'd just roll dice and be like, oh yeah, by the way, you're told to kill her. <laughs> Do or it. maybe you would. Um, so next we have samurai. Yay! Um, samurai are uh, warriors who serve daimyo, which are essentially like feudal lords, right? Kind of. um, you know, they control a holding, yada yada. Um, and they samurai follow the way of bushido, which I'm sure everybody's everybody's heard of, which is basically just a set of ethics that emphasizes like honor and you right. know, like obedience to your daimyo and like how to conduct yourself and yada yada. So, in addition to their combat prowess, they're also intelligent um, and skilled in arts like calligraphy, poetry, horsemanship. Right. So, like, when you're a samurai, you got to be good at a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, they're basically the paladins. You're not, you're not just, like, a hired sword, you know? Um, so, they can use ki for boosting their own strengths, kind of like bushi do. Um, it's also worth noting that bushi usually follow, like, a looser version of bushi do. Like, they're not quite as... They're bound. not quite as bound to the um, bound to honor, but they usually like you know they do still they follow, think about things. They do still follow at least some of the aspects of yeah, it. some kind of some kind of code. So they can use key for boosting their own abilities, like Bushi can, and also for frightening enemies with a battle cry at higher levels. Nice. Um. So while they're powerful, they're also like very much bound to the honor system. Where in like if a samurai falls under a certain threshold, they can lose their status as a samurai and become a ronin, which a ronin is basically just an apprentice samurai, where they lose all of their rights to property. Because as you advance as a samurai, you can get like property. You know, you can have property, you can have ronin. I feel like you can get money. (laughs) I feel like when they were making this, they pulled a lot of like real stuff yeah. into this it entirety. Was, it was very it it was in my in my, you know, analysis in my opinion, it was a lot deeper than just like taking Dungeons and Dragons and like throwing pagodas and <laughs> kanji tattoos for the aesthetic on top of there. You yeah. Know what I mean? No, they like went into the whole honor based like as tradition much, and mm-hmm. as many nuances as they probably did miss. Like that that's yeah. For sure, just because of the fact that it 
probably did not have very many people who were part of these cultures uh, that that influenced this, like, yeah. present for writing. I would say that they still, like, got a lot yeah. right. And it also was, the, the classes, there's more difference in the classes than to just say, because, like, even though I was describing them in a way that was a little simplified, right. like, it isn't that Bushi are just purely, you know these, like, Eastern-influence, like, fighters. Right. Like, it's different. Like, you have to simplify it for the, like, the process of a... For, for time. Yeah, a podcast yeah. format where mm-hmm. we have a time limit. Yeah. So next, we have Shukenja. Uh, Shukenja are wandering priests who use magic, and due to their religious faith and nomadic lifestyle, they're sort of separate from the like societal systems that influence other characters because they they garner respect from everybody. Oh. Um because they're they're so devoted to their religion and their lifestyle that like everyone loves them. Everyone yeah. just respects them almost immediately. Yeah. Um so before leaving on their journeys, they receive training at like a temple or a monastery. Um, and they can perform all manner. Part of it is also probably because they can perform all manner of, like, religious ceremonies. Okay. So, like, a shukenja could come into your town and, like, bless, you know, bless your daughter's wedding. Perform a... Like, last rites. A last rites funeral. That kind of right. stuff. like that. They, uh-huh. Okay, so... So they're kind of just, like, the little bit of everything. Yeah. Also, they're like elves. Because they can meditate as a substitute for sleep. Nice. Nice. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, so they're a class where their birthright doesn't matter because they sever their ties to their previous ah. lives when they enter their religious service. So oh. their their gaining and losing of honor is based around how well they adhere to their religion and also their commitment to peace and poverty. So like a Shukenja would lose honor for possessing over a certain amount of, like, things. They lose honor for eating meat. Um, They lose honor for all kinds of things like that. Damn. Because, you know, they're they're committed to their lifestyle. Right. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. They are probably the most committed, I think, maybe them and Samurai might be close to their commitment, like, levels Mm -hmm. of their respective... So you just you have your you have your you have that one guy in your party. He doesn't sleep, and it just he doesn't eat meats. He just he's a real nice guy, though. Real nice guy, just a little creepy. Yeah, he's a little. It's a little creepy to see him like you know sat up in like a meditative posture with his eyes open, just like staring off into the distance. I thought he was going to murder me the first night. (laughs) Okay, so then in. Not the same vein, but, like, related to Shukenja, you have Sohei. Um, Sohei are tied to a particular temple or monastery, kind of like the Shukenja are. So, like, you would have a temple where Shukenja are training that's also protected by Sohei. Okay. Um, So their main roles are to defend temples and monasteries and also to advance the influence of that temple outside of it. Okay. Um, They're described as being more... Militant than holy. Hmm. Um, mm. So this is a this is a really interesting class. Um, they can use key to enter a state that, in my opinion, is pretty similar to barbarian rage, where they, you know, they get bonuses, their stats, yada yada. Yeah. Um, and one of their strangest abilities that I think they get at level six is entering a fanatical rage, wherein they die at the end of it. Oh. Like. Wh- so it allows them to fight beyond, it buffs their stats and allows them to fight beyond negative 10 hit points. So, but basically, whichever comes first, they go below negative 10 or their enemy dies. Whichever comes first, then they die. But what it is, is that they gain a ton of honor posthumously. And the reason that's important is because if your character dies and they have a ton of honor built up, you get bonuses on your next character's, like, dice rolls. So it's like a new game plus. So if you get really (laughs) sick, if you get really sick of playing your Sohei, you can just sack him and then start with a better new character. Like, you get into even just, like, a semi-rough fight, and you're like, all right, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna... What is it it called? I don't... I forget what the ability is Because I was gonna say I'm gonna rage, but... (laughs) I would like to rage. (laughs) It's not a rage. I'm going to go into this... This fanatical stage. Fanatical state and just 
murder people, and then die. <laughs> well, my PDF's closed. Reese's and PCs. Reese's and PCs. So they're they're kind of they're sort of they're sort of weird. Um, they're less bound by their religion than Shukenja, um, and they can also differently to Shukenja come to own property and have employees at higher levels because obviously that doesn't vibe with the whole nomadic living in poverty thing. Right. right. You're not gonna have your you're not gonna have a own band intern. of men like, hey, go take care of this for me while I sit. Yeah, here. you're not gonna have like an intern bring you coffee. Um, yeah. Like, they're still discouraged from what's what was stated as personal excess, which I think is a really good phrase. Um, but they're, like, less bound to it than Shukenja are. Yeah. Right. Um, next we have Wujen, who are described as sorcerers, but remind me in playstyle more of wizards. Um, they are based around intelligence. Like, that's their, their casting stat. And they learn spells in a manner closer to wizards, where basically whenever you encounter a new spell... Based on your intelligence, you have a percent chance of understanding it. Right. Uh, yada yada. Though, to be fair, that's kind of how all spellcasters were, like, back in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. That's true. Yeah. Um, because this was before... Because, like, I feel like back in this this day, sorcerer was just kind of a word for magic person. Pretty much, yeah. Which they are magic people. It's just like a colloquial... Colloquial? Yes. Used term to just... Um, magical. So they are masters of magical elements, which are earth slash metal, water, wind, fire, and wood. Yo, metal bending. Yo. Yeah. Um, so they, instead of like devoting themselves to a religion, they devote their lives to like the improvement of their magic and mental clarity. So they're another class that is not, like they're not concerned with their birthright, their family, and they're not as concerned with honor, but what Wujin have instead is taboos because their whole thing is based around them tangling with the supernatural. Right. So bad things that you like, they lose honor and bad things happen to them when they violate these taboos. And basically you crew more of them as your Wujin levels up. So some of them are like cutting your hair, uh, wearing certain colors, uh, eating meat again, you know, touching certain things. So, basically, you just keep giving your poor Wujin, like, obsessive and compulsive behaviors <laughs> in order to keep bad things from happening to them. Wow. Which is, it's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. And like, says, every time you walk through a doorway, you have to, like, hit it, like, three times and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Which it, it is, there's a list of, like, ones that you can pick from, but it's also facilitated in there to, like... If you as a player, you as a DM come up with a good one, you can be like, hey, I think this would be a cool thing for this character to have to yeah. deal with. Which, like, fucking props to you. Yeah. Um, so finally, for ones that were introduced in the first iteration, we have Yakuza. We all know what the Yakuza yeah. is. So, yeah, mob. I mean, The yeah. mob. The, you got the mobsters going now. So. Yeah. Um, there we go. So they are a class that, and this is stated in the book they only really operate well in urban areas um right that makes sense they have similar sneaky abilities to ninjas they can hide in the shadows they can uh backstab yada yada um they're also proficient in finding information that would be hard for other characters to obtain normally like they're better at eavesdropping right they just kind of find shit out and they also have a network of contacts who Mm -hmm. will not put themselves in danger for your Yakuza PC, but they'll buy stolen goods off them, they'll provide them information, they'll provide, like, a safe house, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, they're And they're kind of interesting. They're another class that can be a little hard to play, both because so much of their class abilities are based around being in an urban setting, but they're also kind of tough because they're bound by the honor system that comes with their family. So, like, someone from the Yakuza would be cast out of their family if their honor drops below the honor threshold of their family. So they wouldn't have the support of their network of contacts, but they're also at odds with the law. Oh. So it's like, <laughs> you know, even if, say, like the local government kind of accepts Yakuza's presence because of, you know, certain Money. like buy-offs and things like that, you know, if your character suddenly doesn't have that support network, you get arrested. Yeah, kind of you thing. suddenly find yourself in a very tough situation. Um, so as of 3.5, Yakuza are a prestige class mm. um, because it's kind of a harder class to play. Right. Um, 
you know. Do you mean prestige? It, it, is it tomato tomato? Yeah, it's kind of tomato tomato, isn't okay. it? Yeah, I'm. Also, it doesn't really matter how I pronounce it because <laughs> I wrote it as pertage because I was very tired oh when God. I was finishing I, this section. I have looked so many times going through and I'm like, oh, I, I saw a red furry. Shut up. I saw a red squiggly line and I was like, wait, what did I do? And it was like pertage. Pertage. It wasn't even like I left off a letter by accident. It was pertage. Pertage. So anyway, um... And it's recommended that you play as a rogue and then multi-class into Yakuza, basically. Okay. Um, the last class is introduced in 3.5, um, and it's the shaman. Ah. Um, shaman are pretty similar to clerics um, in that they deal with the spiritual, but they have less in the way of like physical combat prowess that clerics do. Right. Um, they're a pretty similar spec as far as, like, they do healing, they do divine magic, and they operate within domains that give them special abilities based on the domain. Right. But the emphasis is on dealing with their, like, ancestor spirits as well as, like, random evil spirits. So, like, a shaman would go around and, like, you know, they would roll up into a town and someone would be like, oh, hey, I think there's something haunting this house. And they'd be like, okay, I'll go fix it. Nice. Um so they're Such they're spirits, it's me, your boy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's kind of their vein rather than like a god. Okay. Um, and that is the the last of the classes Dang. that were introduced in this. Um, there's several different um like specific subclasses. Well, like um campaign modules. Uh, that have been introduced for this, but I kind of just wanted to talk about the classes and races instead of, like, the story of one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of right up your alley. Yeah, like, because I think they're they think they're really cool, and it, like I said, it, it it isn't just, like, this is something, like, you know, we're gonna take, like, standard D&D and just, like, change it up, like, a little bit. Like, there's still, like, holes that are being filled, like, as yeah. far as, like, these are your magical classes, these are your more physical-based classes, these are your sneakier classes. Right. But it feels like there was more care put into it than just, like, we're going to take, like, a rogue and just change their name. Right. Yeah, um, this whole system is almost just completely different. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you add in the aspect of that extra ability. And, like, the honor. honor and- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I think it's it's really cool, especially, and it intrigued me when I first started looking at it, because, like, when you think supplement, you think things that are just added on. Right. Not and when, changed. like, yeah, and when, like, I went and read, and it's like, yo, there's no, there's no elves here. There's no, like, bards here. That is one of the band classes is bards. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a band class. Yeah, like, it, in. What the hell? Yeah, like, there's a, there's a subheading in there for band classes, and bards is one of them. So it's kind of like they sat down, took D&D, and just erased almost everything except for a very small Like a skeleton. Yeah. yeah. And then filled it in with... New stuff. New yeah, stuff. It, it wasn't it, like, okay, here's the rogue. Let's delete this word and change it to this word. It's yeah, delete the whole class rogue and make it... This. Yeah, and make like new sneaky kind yeah. of thing. Um, so yeah, it it really like I and I originally planned on doing this episode on Nezumi. Also, it's worth noting that some of these things come back in like there are Nezumi in fifth edition, right? But it's not since two thousand one been under like a supplement that is like this is the world you play in. It's been like on top of of other things, okay. right? Okay, but it, it really intrigued me when I started looking into it that it was like. Yo, there's all this shit that's just not here, and this is what you have instead. And I feel like what they had instead was really cool. Yeah, like so, I, I mean, I have never heard about this. It's called Oriental Adventure. Yes, adventures. Adventures. There's more okay. than one. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I had never heard about this yeah. before. So. I remember hearing very br- briefly about it, or perhaps reading very briefly about it in uh, research that one of us had done. Yeah. And it is perhaps that it's been mentioned very briefly in one of our episodes, but we mention a lot of things <laughs> very briefly. Yes, we do. So yes. there, um, I don't remember it if it was. So uh, yeah, I've uh, I've gone on for a, a very long time and. 
you know, unfortunately, like each of these individually is not necessarily enough to pull like one whole episode, like one whole thing. But like, you know, obviously, because since we were, you know, I was kind of going through them, I can't stop and say everything about it. But I hope right. I, I gave everyone like a, a taste of, you know, some of the building blocks I think make this like a really cool supplement to maybe like play around in. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And like. If nothing else, hopefully it'll inspire someone to be like, you know what, I want to look more into this. Yes. Yeah. I want to. <laughs> I want to make all my play my players play as different varieties of henge yokai. <laughs> I I mean, it was definitely a different take on everything. Interesting mm-hmm. to dive into the different takes like that too. Yeah. I don't know how many exist. I can assume there's probably quite a few, but oh, I... I'm sure. Like just considering all that we've looked at, like different interpretations between like. Forgotten Realms and Oriental Adventures and Eberron and Oh man, there's so much yeah. like variance here. It's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, and I think it's cool that we, you know, went somewhere that wasn't probably medieval Europe. Yeah, I mean you're right. There 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 is I would say not a problem, more a stagnation. <clears throat> There's a stagnation in um, the world of tabletop roleplay where so much just takes place in medieval or pre-Renaissance Europe. Yeah. Yeah. There's you know. there's just so much more out there that you can, like, take and mm-hmm. enjoy. It's not a bad thing to enjoy m- medieval Europe. It's mm-hmm. just, like... Yeah, I mean, that wasn't criticism. And, yeah, but. go out and explore. Like, there's so many other things that you can enjoy. Yes, explore. So Play many Henge Yokai. <sighs> Those are my favorite to come out of this. Like, I don't Henge know. Yokai. They're so cool. But thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Instagram, at Dungeonpedia. Yep. Tell your friends. Uh, we really appreciate that. Word of mouth is the best way to get this kind of thing out. Yep. Um, Help us get out there. Yep. Uh, if you have any suggestions on topics you want us to cover, or maybe suggestions from this episode that we might have missed, or yeah. didn't cover completely, and you want to yell at us, that's fine too. Just email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. We will take your yelling in stride. I, I might cry. But sure. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we're going to catch you guys next week here on Dungeonpedia. Magical thing about going back to the taint well, but luckily I didn't have to. The taint.